everyone. Thank you for joining me in the Cultivate podcast for the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor at the Grove Church. I'm really glad that you are with us. And right now in our Cultivate series, we're kind of going through some questions about obedience, some questions about the commands of Jesus, commands in the Bible. We started with the big picture idea of, is obedience required of us in our relationship with God? And we kind of try to split the difference and really kind of walk that balance of it's not required in order for us to be saved, but it is absolutely essential for good Christian living and will be a natural byproduct of the work that the Holy Spirit will do in us. Then we spent a little bit of time talking about the different types of commands in Scripture, Old Testament versus commands of Jesus versus Paul commands and which ones are more authoritative or better or whatever. And really it comes down to the, the understanding that all Scripture is authoritative but not every one of them are is easy to apply, and it has to do with how close we are in similarity to the original audience. And the further along we get chronologically in the Bible, the more easily applicable but equally authoritative that the scriptures and the commands in the Bible become. Then we spend some time talking about when Jesus says to not judge, what does that mean? And how we use it sometimes as an excuse to tell people that they can't be involved in our lives and tell us what to do. Or, and we use it as an excuse to keep us from getting involved in helping other people battle through sins and problems in their life. But um, really what he's talking about there is an attitude that makes us think that somehow that other people are unworthy of the gospel or unworthy of Christian fellowship because their sin is different than mine. And last time we spent some time talking about these promises and commands in Jesus where he tells us to pray. And that if we pray in this certain way, we will get anything that we ask for. What does Jesus really mean by that? Are there limitations to that? And how do we process unanswered prayer? And we're going to wrap up this. We're going to wrap up this series kind of with a big picture question. The big picture question, take all these different commands that Jesus has, all the things, obedience, you know, it's, it, it is essential in one sense. And I'm required by God. It is necessary for me to, in order for to be a, a faithful follower of Christ, that I'm supposed to be obedient and and I'm, I'm now a follower of his. The big picture question I think that we all need to have a really good answer for is what does Jesus want from me? I understand the gospel. I've received the gospel. I am now a follower of him. He has forgiven me. And now I am a Christian. I am a follower of Jesus. What is my life supposed to be about? What does he want from me? And I think that there are plenty of groups out there that have some fairly simplistic answers to that, where they feel like that they have unlocked some keys. Like, let me tell you, let me tell you what the Christian life is all about. And they, and they have these really simplistic answers to it. And I just want to say this in general, if you've been around any amount of time at all, you probably at least intuitively understand that I believe this. And I want to say that it more explicitly, if the answer is too simplistic, it's not an answer to anything. The answers to the real questions and the big picture questions about life are never as simple as one can express in a bumper sticker, an inspirational poster, a cross stitch, or anything of, of, of these, these slogans on a Christian shirt. It's never that easy. It's never that simple. And so the question of what does Jesus want for me is not a simple question. And we want it to be. I want to be able to just unfold, unpack one verse for you and say, and this is what everything is. And, th and this one verse, this one principle unlocks everything about what it is that God wants from us. But it's not that simple. 
So we'll try to unpack it a little bit. And you can't really, I mean, it's the kind of thing that could be its own series. It could be a 50 week podcast series in and of itself to try to unlock the depths of this. So more than anything, this is just kind of a starting point, I think, for you as you are exploring the, the essence and nature of that question in your own life. So we'll start here with the simple question of the simpler question of why did Jesus come? Why did he come here at all? And I think the two, the two verses that I think speak most directly to that, one is the considered I am one of the most popular, probably well-known verses in all of scripture, which is in John chapter three, verse 16. In John chapter three, 16, it says that for, that God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And so why did Jesus come? because of his overwhelming love for the world. And because what he saw was happening in this world that he loves is that people were perishing. They were, they were dying. They were languishing. And there, there, was, there was separation. There was fear. There's, there's destruction. Sin has damaged people. It has damaged relationships and has ultimately damaged their relationship with God. And people are dying metaphorically and literally there's just destruction and death everywhere. And because of Jesus' overwhelming love for the world, he did not want that to be true. And so he came here so that the people that could believe in him and the gospel and his death on the cross wouldn't perish, but instead could have eternal life. What is eternal life, you might ask? I think too often we think about it in terms of eternal in the sense of um, it, it lasts forever which is certainly an aspect of it. But in John chapter 10, verse 10, as Jesus is talking about eternal life, he, he describes it this way. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. And so I think it is important for us when we think about the life, the eternal life that God has called us to, to not simply think about it in terms of chron- chronology of time, I'm going to be able to have life forever. Because the reality of it is, depending on the situation you're in and how, how you're feeling and what's going on in your life right now, the idea that life would last forever is not necessarily of great comfort. To think that I am going to live this life forever is no great comfort. And so it isn't, you know, it's like, it is important to think not only about living a, an eternal life, but to think about the quality of that life. And so then we think about what heaven will be like. And there's a lot of uncertainty about that. But one thing that we can say is that Jesus has promised us that it is a great place. That is the presence. The presence of sin is no more. We will be more directly in the presence of God than we've ever been. It is a, it is a place of great joy. But again, now that's talking about a future event. So we know, okay, that it's, and that's part of it. It's not, but it's not just simple that you're going to live forever. And it's not just simply that you're going to live in a better place at some point. John 10 describes the life that he calls us to have is something that is a present reality. Um, in fact, he also, another place he describes eternal life, he says, this is eternal life, that they may know you and, and that they may know me. And that Jesus describes eternal life in terms of relationship with God, relationship with Jesus. John 10, 10 describes life as abundance. It's, it is a life of quality. And so Jesus has come in order to keep us from perishing, but in order that we might have an abundant and full life 
now and that we might be in his presence in a better place forever in the future. It's not either or, it's both and. And so between now and our opportunity then to ultimately live fully in the presence of God and absence the presence of sin in heaven, he has left us here and he has left us here with the desire that we would live a full and abundant life. And so I think that's important. It's important for us to start there because anything that comes after in the, in the how we're supposed to live, what does Jesus expect of me? What does he want from me? We're answering first, what does Jesus want for you? What he wants for you is full, abundant life. And so we're going to talk about varying commands. There's things that Jesus commands us to do, and there's ways that he's wanting us to live. But it is important, even as we think about first what God wants from me, that we make sure that we are clear on what Jesus's motivations are. His motivations and what he wants from us is, is the result of what he wants to do for us, which is to give us life. Too often we think of the commands that God gives, the commands of scripture, the things that Jesus tells us to do, the limitations that he puts on our lives, the limitations he puts on, on money, the limitations that he puts on sex, the limitations that he puts on different aspects of our life. We think of them as, as shackles when in fact they are paths to freedom. It is the removal of shackles. It is the removal of chains and that the restrictions on our life really open us up to a fuller life rather than restricting us in this life in order to prove some manner of devotion or commitment. And so if we do not believe first and foremost that the commands of God are motivated out of a desire for us to have the best, most full life that we can have right now, then, then it doesn't really matter what I say next. Well, here's what Jesus wants from us. You're going to hear this list and you're going to be like, well, that sounds, that sounds like too much, or I don't know that I want to do that. That just sounds like a lot of work. I don't, think I, li- I don't think I like that. But if these things that he wants from us really are the keys to unlocking life at its fullest, then our response to them will be very different. In order to answer the question, what does Jesus want from me? The best places to start there are with the great commandments and the great commission. Jesus is asked, what is the most important commandment in all of the scripture? What's the most important one? And if Jesus answers that, whatever comes out of his mouth should be the key, should be a significant key to unlocking for us what Jesus really wants from us. And so when asked that question, he says, I'm going to have to give you two. Love the Lord your God with everything that you are everything that you have, and love other people the way that you love yourself. And so it would seem that big picture, what he wants from us first and foremost is for us to be in good relationship with God and to be in good relationship with other people. The greatest things that we can do are not necessarily things that we would normally think of in terms of Bible commands, but they are relational commands. Be in a good, healthy relationship with God. Be in good, healthy relationships with other people. That is the most important, best thing that you can do. Secondly, I would point to the Great Commission, which is in Matthew chapter 28, which is the last commandment that Jesus gives before he ascends to heaven. And in that, basically, he gives instructions to his disciples. Now that I'm not going to be here anymore, this is what I would like for you to carry on with. And what I want you to do is I want you to take everything that I have given to you, every command that I've given, everything that 
I've taught you. I want you to teach other people as well. Everything I've taught you, everything you've learned, everything I've told you to do, I want you to tell other people about it. And I think that if you put both of those two passages together, I think we get the clearest picture, the clearest answer to the question, what does Jesus want from me? He wants me to love him well. He wants me to be in a relationship with him and a relationship with God first. You know, it does, it does, it is part about obedience. It is about faithfulness to his rule as God and King and Lord, but it is also about a loving father relationship. There is a reason why parent imagery is the primary imagery that God uses to describe himself. It does imply authority, of course, but it also implies compassion and love and kindness and generosity. And he wants us to relate to him the way that one would relate to a good and generous father. Of course, I obey my father's rules, but I also just enjoy him and I want to get to know him and I love him. So worship is clearly a part of that. Talking to God about how much you love him through prayer, learning everything that you can about him by studying his word. I want to love him well, and then I obey. When he asks me to do something, I do it. When he commands something, I do it. This is how I show love to a father, to a God, to, to a king, to a Lord. And my, my life needs to be about that. And God has also placed us in this world with other people, other people that he loves as much as he loves you, and he wants you to be in good relation with them. So love them well. Love them the way that you love yourself. And one aspect of that comes to, comes to us in the Great Commission, where he says, this love that I have shown you, this life that I have given to you, I want everyone to experience it. And so I want you to take everything that I have given to you, and I want you to give it to other people. I do not want you to hold on to this life and this love that I have given you. I don't want you to hold on to it. And keep it just for yourself. I want everyone to experience this. So big picture, what God wants from us is to love him well, to love others well, and to hand the life that God has given us to other people. So that is the generic statement that I believe is true of absolutely everyone who says that they are a follower of Jesus. That is a big picture, broad scoped answer. The challenge for us then is that doesn't really help me kind of in the day-to-day. It doesn't necessarily really help me just kind of in my own role in it. What does he want from me? And every person is different. Every person has, is in a different situation, has different resources, has different skills, different personalities, different gifts, different opportunities, different access. Everybody's life is going to be a little bit different, but all with the purpose of, I want to know and love God more. I want to love people better, and I want to pass his love on. And so for some people, it's going to, it's going to look like, I mean, like, well, not everybody's supposed to do what I do. Not everybody here is supposed to be a, a Bible teacher at a church or on a podcast. But for every person who does this, there is someone who is editing said podcast. And for every person who does that are people who are placing these things online. For every teaching that a pastor does, there is someone who is running the soundboard and the slides. For every person who 
you know, leads a church in some way. There, there are people who are loving on the babies and the kids and the people who are doing the administrative work to make things happen. And beyond just even that, there, for every, for every, there are people out there who do a great job of just loving the hurting and the broken and giving food to people and giving encouragement and help. There are people who show compassion to people who are in really broken, hurting situations. There are people who are just kind-hearted, generous people who are very welcoming to people. Everyone has a role to play. Everyone has an opportunity to make a difference in the world that they live in, and which ultimately means you're making a difference in the world in general. You are go- Every person that I'm talking to has access to different people than what I do. And you have different gifts and skills and abilities. You have different resources. God has placed every one of us in a unique position to make a unique difference in this world with your gifts, your passions, your skills, and your opportunities. Are the things that you are doing in your life, are they feeding one of those three things? Are you demonstrating your love for God? Are you showing love to people? And are you helping pass? the hope and life that God has given you to someone else. So what does God want for you? I think it's a simple answer to some degree. It's broad in scope. Love God, love others, pass that hope along. And specifically, what does he want for you? He wants you day to day to walk in him, to learn, to listen, and to let him lead you to find your specific place, your specific role, in doing those things. And I want, I want you to walk out of here. I want you, I want, I want you when this is, I want you to believe in your heart that God has a significant place, a significant role for you. He wants to love you. He wants you to experience that love. He wants you to love him back. And he has surrounded you with people that he wants you to love well. And he has a role and a place for you to make a difference in this world. What does he want from you? He wants you to believe that and to walk in that. So thanks again. Thanks for joining us. And I hope you have been with us this whole time as we've been kind of walking through different aspects of the commands in the Bible, the commands of Jesus. And if you missed some of them, I encourage you to go back and check them all out and just kind of put this whole picture together of this idea of like of, 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 of commands, obedience, what is required, what is expected, what does God want so that we can really live to the fullest the life that he has called us to. So I encourage you to come check us out sometime at thegrovechurch.org. We would love to see you on a Sunday morning sometimes, either live in person if you're in Northwest Arkansas, or you can join us virtually um, YouTube or on our, on our Facebook page.